Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad you joined us. You know, you just said you're the relationship doctor. You say that every week. What does that mean? <laughs> it means we focus on relationships. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good thing, because today we want to talk about common Relationship problems. Ah, you're setting me up. Yeah, of course. Uh, and by common, of course, we mean the typical kinds of, not the in-depth, complex things, but sometimes they are complex, I suppose, when you're talking about relationship issues. you want to start with an easy one? Sure. Okay, here's the first one. Is this a big problem, not spending time together, getting too caught up in life that you ignore another person or your person or you take them for granted? That sounds like a bunch of them all wrapped up in one. Yeah, that's the one that's more on time and spending time oh, together. Of course. And these these ones that we're going to talk about today, we have a list of, of so many of them. These are things that in 25 years of doing marriage and family therapy work, I've had couples bring in and say, you know, over and over, there's sort of these same themes that seem to come mm -hmm. up. And this one about not having enough time with each other is a really big one. I mean, have you ever heard the saying that couples who play together stay together? No. <laughs> You've never heard that? <laughs> no. You've probably heard couples who pray together stay together, I've heard right? that one in church. I'll go, oh, yes, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. holy. <laughs> well, it's also those who play together. And that's true because spending time with each other in any relationship is really critical to not only building the friendship that you have with somebody, possibly before you become intimate mm -hmm, with them, mm -hmm. but then keeping that friendship going throughout your relationship. I'm glad you said friendship because you and I started that way. We did. There, there was a friendship that was developing before the romantic stuff started. Well, let's just say that I had other ideas at the beginning of this. <laughs> I was coerced. <laughs> Who knew? But we did start as friends. I mean, I did immediately have an attraction. and um, But we did just hang out with the same group of people, mm -hmm. and we became friends, and we did things together. And that is a really good way to begin a relationship, because if you are doing things with somebody in a friend basis, you do see what you like. Right. And if you right. can get along with that person and, and how they respond. And their friends. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. we were in college, so it kind of helped. Yeah, but but to know who your college friends were right. and who mine were, I mean, that was an important, you know, important information on who do you hang out with and who, mm -hmm. do you, who are your influences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was important. Well, and you had to like soccer because I played soccer and you were a cheerleader. Well, I didn't have to well, like soccer, but I did, did. I did as part of the friendship. I did think, okay, I do need to be interested in some of the things that this person is interested in. Yeah. And that is part of what happens when you become a couple, right? You You may have things that you like to do, but you should also be looking at what does that other person like to do? And can I get on board with that? Yes. So when we were moved to the north, uh, 
and it was cold in winter for a hundred months a year. <laughs> and I grew up in the tropics. Yeah, right. Uh, but I did try skiing. You did. And I ice was skating. And I was massively unsuccessful. Then I tried ice skating, and it was worse. <laughs> yeah. It was. Well, you did give it a valiant try, and that was so important to me because that's what you do in Michigan when you grow up, Norm. Oh, you go uh, skiing. I mean, I was in ski club in high school, and every single day when I was a child after school. We had an outdoor rink, and I went ice skating. I was on ice skates at the age of four, double runner skates. And so I love to do those things. So that was a part of how I relaxed and the kinds of activities I was interested in doing. So we did have a little bit of tension between those two things. We tried. I tried. You tried. Yeah, we did. I, I, and I did I did get some interest in soccer. I wouldn't say that's my most passionate game. No, of course not. But I do. I can watch a game and understand it. Right. I had to learn that for cheerleading because – had to know what I was cheering in that process. And, and it is a little bit like hockey, which I was very familiar true, with from true, the North. True. Yeah. But we, uh, for all our dear listeners, we did find a lot of common things we do together, even to this day. Yeah. And uh, we enjoy all sorts of fun things, especially travel. We love to travel together. Uh, you love to cook, and I love to eat your cooking. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> so that, in fact, your cooking has become so great in the in these last years of our marriage that uh, people want to come to our house just to taste your taste kitchen recipes. Right, we created this little label we call Taste Kitchen, <laughs> and people get to be the, the uh, people on whom I experiment. That's fun. Yeah, and we like to host events and have a lot of people over, and that's really good because if one of us was the type of person who didn't want people over and the other one wanted to, that would be a problem. So we have to we have to negotiate that because right. I would probably do it way more than you would. But right. we've come to terms with some common things that we can do. And I guess that's what we're saying is in a in a couple's relationship, if you can find things that you like, that you can do together, that you can spend time together with, that is an important thing to do because it it will build that basis of friendship which then you will need later when you hit some difficult times. What happens if one person's an introvert and the other's an extrovert? I mean, that seems like that's that's a hard one to negotiate. Yeah, and, and it is because it's kind of what we were saying, where one person wants to go out and do a lot of mm-hmm. things around a lot of people, and other people, they get charged. So that's me. I get very charged and relaxed by going out and doing things with other people. Whereas an introvert charges by taking time alone and being, um, you know, by themselves to recharge. Now, we've taken some of those inventories, and it's interesting that you've moved on those scales over the mm-hmm. years, haven't mm-hmm. you? Yes, I think I've become more of what they call an ambivert. What's an ambivert? Either way? It's, go- yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you can be extroverted when you need to be and introverted when you want to be. Well, you've always been the type of person who can sit quietly and read a book and have alone time. So, again, I think that's something a lot of times couples need to negotiate. And you might just want to say, hey, I need to do something once a week at least. And uh, the other person might say, I need some time where I'm just at home alone, maybe reading a book, you know, winding down in front of a television set or doing something like that Mm -hmm. that doesn't – force you to be with other people as much as maybe right. the other person right. wants. Right. Yeah. Let's go to common problem number two, fighting over the same issues over and over again. You talk a lot about this in your book, We Need to Talk. 
And there, you said that couples fight about the same issues 69% of the time, but don't resolve them? Yeah, this is a, a statistic from Dr. John Gottman, who's a marital researcher who's done a lot in this area of couples work. And I was really surprised when I did his training years ago, mm-hmm. when he said 69% of the things we fight about don't get resolved. Because they're not really that big a deal? It's just that couples learn to accommodate those differences. Mm. And, you know, I, I was thinking about my mom and dad, who were married 67 years. And I was when, when he talked about this, the first time I heard Dr. Gottman talk about this, I thought, yeah. Yeah, I can think of three issues <laughs> that they they, fart, they fought about and they... argued about for years, <laughs> and there was never any resolve to them. There was a pattern of how they did it. They never got out of control. It never got you know like scary or anything like that. But they just uh, kept bringing up those issues over and over. And I I think what he's saying is that's kind of common. But the point he makes is it's not what you fight about, but it's how you fight. That really makes the difference. So your parents had this style, and I observed that when I came into the family, and you're right, it was a pattern. They would start the same way, the same words, the same thing over and over again. And my parents, by massive contrast, were conflict avoiders. Yeah. So their fighting style worked for them like your parents did for them, I guess. Yeah, and then what what you have to think about is that you will bring that fighting style or that conflict style into your grown-up relationship. Of course. Right. So when we first got married, you didn't want to talk about things, and I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And we had that pattern that we often see in therapy where somebody is running away and the other person is pursuing them. It's called pursue distant. Hmm. And so as that happens... You don't get a lot of things uh, resolved. So the the distancer, the person who's uncomfortable, has to learn to bring up things and be willing to stay in the conflict. And the person who is the one who pursues all the time needs to sit back and give a little space and not feel like they have to address every moment, every little thing that happens. So that's the compromise that you have to make. Here's a third one that's kind of related. It's about in-laws and outlaws. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've done, I think we've done a show. We did a we show have. years ago. We should bring that show back or redo that show because this can create a lot of problems for couples. And, you know, we have all these expectations, Norm, that we bring to relationships. And usually it has to do with what happened in our family sure. and why your family is not doing the things that our family does. Very different. And in fact, in our case, the way your family did things was very attractive to me because it was new and I'd never seen it before. Yeah, and your family drove me crazy because they didn't they didn't have the same type of need to be involved in our lives mm-hmm. as our my family did. So we had to have lots of conversations about that because I took that as they didn't like me, they didn't want to be around us or they didn't have interest in us and you were like, "No." You know, we've lived on the mission field for years, and we've just not had a lot of contact. Right. Been isolated from all of our families right. of origin. On the other hand, yours were loud and German and having a great time. And I, first time I was at a family dinner, I said, why are those people all angry at each other? Because <laughs> they were being very because opinionated. Because they were opinionated, <laughs> opinionated and boisterous. And you said they weren't any of those things. But, you know, you, you don't get to choose your your parents. And so, you don't when you marry somebody, you get those in-laws as part of the package deal. So my encouragement to all of you that are thinking about these, you know, things that can happen is that you need to really focus on finding ways to get along with the in-laws. And one of the things I would say is just don't get into any unhealthy triangles mm-hmm. where you you both have an issue 
or they have an issue with you. Let's say your dad has an issue with you and he talks to me. That's an unhealthy mm. triangle. You need to. You would have to say to. I would have to say to your dad. Let me think about that. I'd go have talk to, say to your to son. Dad, go talk to your son yeah. and try to stay out of right. it. So triangles, unhealthy triangles, can get you in trouble. Well, I hope this is helpful. We're dealing with common relationship problems. We'll have a few more to discuss right after this break. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. And I'm Dr. James Cribbs, and we co-authored a book, Living Beyond Pain. If you're one of the 100 million people suffering from chronic pain, this is a book for you, Living Beyond Pain, in stores now. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Today, our topic is one that we've all experienced at some point in life, and it's all about family issues and common problems that we have in relationships and friendships and well, before we get back to our conversation, let me remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. There you'll find her blogs, her books, and you can certainly connect with her on social media. And a very easy way, a good way to know what she's writing about every day is to follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Linda Mental, or on Facebook at Dr. Linda Mental Author and Speaker. I hope people do look at my social media because it's really easy. You can just look at whatever is posted for that week. And if you want to click on one of those articles and they're interesting to you, you can. So it's a great way to just see what I'm writing about and talking about. Well, and for people who listen to us as a podcast and uh, they want to share it with their friends, that's a good thing for them to do. Because you have so many great resources. That's true. And you can listen to the podcast anytime. So you can share the podcast of any of these shows by going to your favorite mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. platform. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to relationship common problems. What about this one? You and your friend who becomes your spouse, for example, have so many differences. And at first, they were very attractive. And now, not so much. Yeah. And that is really the case. At first, a lot of times opposites do attract. Mm -hmm. But we know from the the literature that as you get into a relationship with somebody, that having the same values, having the same sort of religious beliefs. Goals uh, and visions. Goals and visions. Yeah. yeah, All of those things really do help a relationship because you're spending less time always working through those differences. Mm. And sometimes those differences are significant. I mean, we're talking from a, a Christian, you know, view. And when you marry someone who's not a Christian, it's very difficult in those in those marriages because you just have very different ideas about what your life is about and being intimate with God and how important that is and makes it difficult to pray with your partner and all the things that really deepen a relationship. So I was just going to say that we had the wonderful benefit of growing up with similar religious backgrounds. We did. And Even so, the same denomination. Yeah. And so a lot of things were just unspoken because right. we we knew what we knew about our religious heritage. You know, and it was I just you made me think of something, Norm. We had a friend who married somebody who was about 12 years or 15 years older than she was her his his wife had died and mm-hmm. she was not married and they got together and i remember one of the things that we kept saying is we the we would be with them and the three of us all went to college together and so we were at the same age and we would a song would come on and we'd all start singing it and he would look just lost because yeah. it wasn't in his generation no. or his decade i guess it would be in right. this case and so there are those little intimate things that you share 
when you've been to college with somebody or you've been to school or, or a workplace and you have these kind of little insider things. And even the, the Christian faith of, of understanding how all of that works and what you do, it can be a big way to draw you together. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything within those realms, but it certainly makes it a little bit easier. So, but what do you do if the differences have now grown and exacerbated to big problems? Well, you have to talk about the differences. So, you know, I try to help people do that in premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. I really suggest that they come in. And what we do, what I do with people in premarital counseling is I draw a family, what I call genogram. I draw their family and extended family out, and then I draw... The other person. Is that like ha- a family tree? Yeah, it's kind of kind of like that. It's it looks a little bit different, but you draw it out and you start to ask them questions like, "How does your family handle conflict? How do they handle money? Um, are they are they talkative? Are they introverted? Are hmm. they extroverted? Are they? Does this one have faith? Does this one not? All these differences, and we we talk about those ahead of time, and then I encourage them to have conversation about how you're going to manage those differences. Hmm. And are those differences really going to matter? Because a lot of times people get married and they don't even, they don't even think about the family they came from. No. And no. really, you get that whole family as a package deal when it comes to marriage because they've, they've influenced you. Well, your book, I Married You, Not Your Family, uh, is a myth. Right, right. And you get you the have, whole group. Right, when you, you get marry. everybody. Did, yeah. wasn't wasn't one of the original ideas for the cover of that a whole bunch of feet in the bed? Well, that's what's on the, the cover. Yeah, it's kind of under the cover because it's like they're there, whether you recognize them or not, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe in the most intimate moments yeah. because you're reacting to the things that you learned when you were growing up. Mom, get out of my bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I think if you're you're really struggling, certainly you want to pray together. It's interesting how praying with your partner makes a lot of things better because it's hard to be mad at somebody when you're praying with them. Right, right. You know, because if you're truly praying and you're truly asking the Lord to help you, he's going to reveal things to your heart, he's going to soften your heart, he's going to make it to make you to a point where you're really trying to listen and maybe forgive that person. But that really is a good thing to do no matter what. And then I think um, you really need to, you know, just stay humble and think the way my group or my family does things isn't always the right way. There isn't like a right way. Right, it's just a, a different point. way yes. sometimes. Right. And so really understanding how differences can bring you together and say, well, this is what I learned from them. And and I would say focus on the positive things that you learned from mm-hmm. your family because mm-hmm. it's really easy to complain about your family. Yeah. You know what? That's a great idea. I just thought of if, if each member of the couple could say, here are three positive things I brought mm-hmm. from my family that are very different than yours, and three from yours that are different than mine. Mm-hmm. What a great combo those six things could be in your new re- in your newly revised relationship, because this, some of these issues crop up later. And you, you have to accommodate in a relationship. And I think that is one of the messages in the culture that we're not hearing enough about. It's always what I want what mm-hmm, I deserve. Mm-hmm. Even on some of these TV shows, it's like you know they they leave their relationships because they have to have things a certain right. way and what they right. want. And boy, that just isn't going to be satisfying in the long run because it's the people in your life that bring you the kind of connection that makes life worth living. Really, it's that community of others rather than what you're doing on your own all the time. So That's I think we have good. to be careful with that message right. of I deserve, I want, I need. Because you and I have been married a very long time, and we have had to learn to accommodate 
each other in multiple ways to make right. it work. Right. Well, here's one that makes sense, I think, to uh, be called a common problem in a relationship, and that is money. You might have come from a family that saved, 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 and the other one may have come from a spend, spend, spend. How do you reconcile that? Because money is an important issue. Yeah, and we know people where both of them are spend, spend, spend. Yeah, that's, that, is, that could be that tragic. That is called debt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when that happens. Uh, so, yeah, you, you again, what is your money strategy before you met? What did your family teach you about that? And then what strategy are you bringing into the, the uh, relationship? Now, some people who didn't have much then want to spend a lot mm-hmm. when they get in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Other people that come from not having much are very frugal. So you've got to talk about what kind of money strategies did you grow up with? And what are yours before I met you and married you? What, it, is this a premarital conversation? I mean, it would help if you always do this while you're dating, right? right. I, I think it's harder sometimes for people to bring up these issues. But if you're getting close to marrying somebody. I was going to say, it makes you sound too serious, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but if you're getting into that you know, place where you're thinking about that person uh, and you do some formal mar- premarital work, I would talk about money. I would definitely do that. And I would say that you know, you and I... I think what we decided on and is we both are pretty good with money. So mm-hmm. whoever it's the most practical to do, the checkbook does it. And there are times when I've said to couples, look, you are not good with money. Let the other person do it. And there's no shame in that. Just no. figure out who's better with that and then make some rules about money. You know what? I like one of our best rules ever was the veto. And we created this veto concept yeah, that was for important things like mm-hmm. houses, cars, vacation, big, bigger ticket items. And if one person said nope, then it was we didn't then, get it, it. then it was it. It was no. It was over. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. All right. This is a tough one. I know we're getting a little close on time. Common problem: sex and intimacy. Yeah. Um, again. There may be somebody who is more wanting more and someone wanting less. And I I think one of the things I I really want to say is that there are times when you really need to start thinking about, is there something going on with your partner? Um, You mean physically physically, or mentally? Yeah, physically and mentally. But physically, there can be side effects Mm. from a medication. Mm. Mentally, if there's been an affair or something, you're starting to see things. Distancing kind of things. And you're kind of getting a little bit suspicious. But sometimes due to stress and finances, there can be a loss of libido. And the fix is to really look at what's going on in our lives. Maybe we're just too busy. Mm. Because I know when I was a mom with little kids, oh my gosh, I, I was exhausted most of the time. And the last thing I was thinking about at that point was to be intimate with right. you right. at the end of a day. So sometimes, you know, changing up the times, talking about it, uh, just getting on the same page with each other can be a good thing. Does it help to get therapy in some of those situations? I, sometimes it can, especially if there's pornography involved. Now, oh. I'm just going to say this for couples. If you ever hear a therapist, and I've heard therapists say this, say that a little pornography is good for a relationship, run as fast as you can from that therapist. Mm. Because pornography is addictive. You build a tolerance to it. It it objectifies people. Wait, a tolerance? Does that mean you need more and more yes, like a you drug? Need, like a drug. It okay. has that same effect in the brain. And then um, you can you get to the point where you're objectifying people and you're not treating your partner with respect. So that is not a fix or a help in couples that are having okay. sexual issues. Uh, again, we're getting close to time here. What about this common problem? I don't like your friends. 
I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they brag, and they gossip. We're That's, down to a minute. Yeah. Got, I'm sorry to throw you a big curve on this one. I think you have to think about ways then where you spend time with that friend that isn't going to involve your partner as much, and you, again, have to negotiate that relationship. It does make it tough in a relationship. Well, listen, Norm, we're kind of at the end of this, and the bottom line is you don't want to be selfish in your relationship, and you want to think about how all of your actions are impacting not only your partner, but maybe your your children, your co-workers, could be any relationship. And it's really not realistic to think that you're never going to have differences or problems or conflict or any of those things. So our biggest fix is if you submit yourself to God and you go to God first and you really deal with your heart first, that is going to create a great heart for you, a clean heart, and it's going to open you up to a better relationship with your spouse. Wouldn't you say that's a key? When our relationship with God is right, our relationship with others at least is improved. Yeah, and I I think I know when I'm off spiritually, I'm starting to get more complainy and grouchy and irritable, and the fix is really to take it back to that intimate place, get into the Word, talk to your spouse. Relationships are important to the quality of our lives, so fight for them. You need other people to do life. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer and our co-host, Norm Mintel, who made the show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Doing life together. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.